Support for this episode comes from SAS. How is AI affecting how you learn, work, and socialize? And what do you need to know to make responsible use of it as a business leader, worker, and human in the world? Find out when you listen to Pondering AI, a podcast featuring candid conversations with experts from across the AI ecosystem. Pondering AI explores the impact and implications of AI for better and for worse with a diverse group of innovators, advocates, and data scientists. Check out Pondering AI wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone, from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is Ken, and I do beach better than Chris Christie. Almost anyone would. Just kidding. This is on with Kara Swisher, and I'm Kara Swisher, and I don't really like the beach, so. And I'm Naima Raza, and that, of course, is a throwback not just to the Barbie movie, but to Chris Christie's beach moment. I think it was in 2017, yeah, right, he that he one. went to a closed beach and was just strutting out there. With his fam. Yeah. And then people made memes about it, sort of like the Bernie Sanders uh, at the inauguration meme, but they had him on a chair and, you know, there was a lot of jokes. You know what they say? What? You can keep the beach away from Ken, but you can't keep Ken away from the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Or Christie. No. Um, But Chris Christie has been everywhere recently. He's been on Pod Save America, Piers Morgan, Fox News, CNN, Face the Nation. But in a few minutes, he'll be right here in this studio where you and I are sitting. Yeah, he's been everywhere. He's done tons and tons. Of, there's not anywhere. You know, he'd go to an opening of a door, essentially. Ah, yes. Yeah. And that will happen here shortly <laughs> yes, for right. him. Yeah. But um, I think that gives us the way that we want to tackle this interview then is to go deep versus broad. Yeah. Because he has these canned responses to all these different questions. And they're good responses and he's very quick on his feet. But I would like to know what he actually thinks about actual policy. If he won, like, he probably isn't going to win, but that's not the reason not to talk about what his policies are. You can't just be anti-Trump. Yeah. How do you go from being pro-choice, anti-gun to being pro-wall and pro-all these kind of base DeSantis policies. Um, But yeah, I think in this interview, we want to mine for answers to very specific things and drill down, which means that we might Avoid topic areas. We, yeah. might, we might, therefore, not cover every topic area. Absolutely. He has a lot of answers. He's a very talented prosecutor, so he's good at speaking. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's become the Donald Trump slayer. He's not really slaying him very much. But mm-hmm. um, he's, you know, he's made it his business to to call attention to all the faults of Donald Trump and get the Republican Party to wake up to the problem they have if he becomes a nominee. It's interesting because the people who seem to be most excited about Chris Christie are Democrats. Right, just the way a lot of Republicans are excited about RFK Jr. You know, it's because he's saying the things you want him to say, and mm-hmm. he's had his moment of like, oh, I realize now this guy is terrible. Um, I, I have, I've talked to a lot of people about doing this, and they're all like, I just don't trust him. Yeah. Uh, and I don't either. I have to say, I'm like, um, I find it um, 
you know, I like what he's saying, and you don't want to be taken in by someone because you like what they're saying, because, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, that kind yeah. of thing. There is an irony in that, in that because he's positioning himself as this anti-Trump character. And mm-hmm. it's remarkable. Christie had a bright political future. There was a time where people thought he was almost Clintonian and yeah. how, you know, this blue Reached state Republican. Aisle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then he lost that during the Fort Lee scandal. Right. Uh, that seems to be the beginning of his downfall. And then the Trump era. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. This, like, enemy of my enemy is my friend. You know, because even though he's positioning himself as the anti-Trump, he's very Trumpy. Right. He is very brash. Yeah. He bullies. He's good with the quips. He's addicted to the spotlight. He's mm-hmm. adjacent yeah. to the scandal. His, you know, if you read any of his books, he's very um, has some stances that are very similar to Ron DeSantis and others. Uh, you know, so he, you know, I, I don't quite know what he is. He's yeah. like he's neither fish nor fowl, and so it's really hard to put him down. I'd like to like tell us where he is politically and also policy wise, because mm-hmm. all he talks about is making quicks about Donald Trump, which I'm happy to have him do here. Yeah, he's and he's very good at entertainment in that same tr- well, way that Trump is. He knows how to put on the show. Yeah, um, but. A lot of people are actually. We should disclose this. The enemy of the enemy isn't the friend, but you mm-hmm. are surprisingly a Chris Christie campaign donor. Yeah, I'm going to mention it to him at the top. Yeah, yeah. I gave him money because I want him to be on the stage. I want him to reach that number, and mm-hmm. I really like debates. I watch them, and I think it's important um, that Trump has someone who actually can take him on a little better. And I think Chris Christie's really honed his skills. Yeah. I don't think he was particularly good in the debates against Trump. Nobody was, but he was great against Rubio uh, last time. And really kind of killed off uh, little Marco. I can't believe I'm calling him that, but it's a good work. It's a good nickname. (laughs) Well, it was Sloppy Chris Christie, I think. Was Mm -hmm. that the nickname? I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. But uh, despite the pile of cash that you've given him, which Mm -hmm. is a pile of uh, five $1 bills, (laughs) I think. That pile of cash. Yeah. Um, Christie is pulling at the back of the pack. He's, he is. You know, got two percent. Yes, they're all in the back of the pack. There's just yes. there's Trump, and then DeSantis is limping along behind him and lo- going lower every day, and which is an opportunity for those people. And then there's everybody else. Yeah, it's uh, curious if there will be a way forward. Peggy Noonan had a quote in the Wall Street Journal, which was great, saying he is almost Trump's equal in showbiz and his superior and invective, so he can do some damage. And then goes on to ask. Would it be a suicide mission? I don't know, but those kamikazes took out a lot of tankers. Oh, okay. Jackie, geez, Peggy. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, I think that's that's probably right. Um, we'll see. It just doesn't—the people who love Trump love Trump in this new uh, Fox News poll. Fox listeners think that Trump didn't do anything. It's like yeah. not—it's 5% think he did, so my mom included. A lot of people— um, are kind of not paying attention to the GOP primary. One thing is, you know, Donald Trump might not show up. He's not going to show up. He, yeah, should he? yeah, he benefits from just the talk about him more than mm-hmm. the talk of him. But a lot of Democrats, I think, or a lot of people are not paying much attention to the presidential race and the primaries, um, even though Trump just had a victory lap in Iowa where Christie was mm-hmm. surprisingly absent. We can ask him about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people think if Trump were to win the primary, it would be a boon for Biden. Yeah, everybody does. Is that you think that's yeah, dangerous thinking? Or? I don't. I don't. I think he's he's damaged goods, and he's lost twice. You know, he's lost twice in the the last election itself, presidential election, and in the midterms. I think he's a he's a two time loser. He's going to be a three time loser. That's your prediction. Yes, I'm I'm more scared than you, Kara. Well, you know, anything can happen. We'll see. Well, you do you think Chris Christie has a shot? In actually, a way, yes. There's a lane if he if if Trump drops out. There's a lane for him. There's also. a prospect of him just becoming relevant again because he yeah, has been kind a of book deal he'll be yeah, on tv he'll yeah. be back on tv so i guess there's wins in it for him anyways so let's take a quick break and we'll be back with chris christie oh and a quick follow-up note for context 
We actually taped this episode early Tuesday afternoon, before special counsel Jack Smith unveiled the latest indictment against Donald Trump, charges related to the federal inquiry around the 2020 elections and January 6th. Because of that, you'll hear Christy guessing about those charges and what they might be. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what could otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR, and legal, can stay connected and moving together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for On with Kara Swisher comes from Greenlight. Look, if you're anything like me, then I'm confident you wanted to make a really dumb purchase back in the day. Maybe you thought that boombox you got would last a lifetime or just wanted way too many high-waisted jeans. We've all been there. You live, you learn. But if you're a parent, you want to be able to pass those financial lessons you learned onto your kids in a way that sticks. That's where Greenlight Card comes in. It can help your kids actually learn how to make smart financial decisions at an early age. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. You can send your kids instant money transfers, get real-time notifications on spending, manage chores, and automate allowance. I think it's important for kids to understand how to get on a good path for financial success and what spending means and where the money's coming from. And one of the things that's important is to teach them how to manage money from an early age. And the Greenlight app also comes with games that teach them money skills in a fun, memorable way. So stop putting off the money talk and start putting your kids on the right path. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash Kara. That's greenlight.com slash Kara to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash Kara. All right, full disclosure, I donated $5 to your campaign. Thank you very much. Uh, not because I want you to win in any way, but because <laughs> I wanted to see you go after Trump on the debate stage. Like a lot of people, that was one of your appeals. Yeah, um, and it worked. Uh, it looks like he's going to be a no-show now, as you know. I still want my money's worth. So what would you say if he was on stage standing with you right now? Depending on what he says, obviously. But yeah, what would some you of it will depend on what he says. Point? But look, I think you know it depends on the events of the day. But like what's in my head today is – looking at how he has ripped off um, middle-class donors all over this country. Mm -hmm. um, the whole family is a grift, mm -hmm. and that's what I would say to him. And that, you know, for you to spend $40 million of hardworking Americans' money who gave that to you initially because you lied to them mm -hmm. and told them the election was stolen, and they gave you that money to try to fight that, and now you're spending it on legal fees for yourself when you're supposed to be a billionaire— and you're spending the money of middle class Americans to defend yourself against this crimes is like that you the don't 40 really million commit. Or, this was within yeah. his packs, within right. his, his the fundraising that he did, yep. which he does very regularly after an indictment. Yep. He tends to do that. Probably be doing it again right. today. And, and and other things in there. A quarter of a million dollars to refurbish his plane. Mm -hmm. 
$108,000 for Melania's stylist, mm-hmm. and they called it strategy consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, look, you know, this is the kind of stuff that makes you unfit for the office mm-hmm. that the American people gave you and that you want to get back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why don't you just sell some of the assets you've got if you don't have enough money to pay fees. for your legal fees? Absolutely. Which, of course, his his take is that I've been unfairly maligned and I've been unfairly prosecuted and right, it's part you, of a witch hunt. Yeah, but you weren't unfairly maligned or prosecuted by the middle-class donors who gave you that money mm-hmm. and gave you the money to do something else with it, not what you're doing with it. Right. And, and, I, and so that comes to mind today. And what also comes to mind is that, um, you know, this lie that you're telling people that it's not you being indicted, it's, it's you for them. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't the people who took classified documents out of the White House. They weren't the ones who ignored 18 months of Subpoenas, private yeah. requests right. from the government to please return them. They weren't the ones that lied to their own lawyers and hid documents from them. They weren't the ones, you know, who allowed their lawyers to lie to the government knowingly. And and they weren't the ones who were showing classified information around Mar-a-Lago to people so you could act like a big shot and pretend you're still president. Right. You guys have gone head to head um, on many pot calling kettle moments. He accused you of being cozy with Obama. You shared an image of the Clintons at the 2005 wedding to Melania and asked if he danced the night away with Melania. Talk about why you think this works. This sort of you're pushing back. He's a bully. You're bullying back at him. Is it presidential or what's the strategy here from your perspective? Well, no, the strategy is I I, I watched what I did in 16, which was not to respond right. to this stuff. You that were didn't over work. dealing with Marco Rubio, actually. Yeah, yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think for somebody like him, what I've learned over the years of dealing with him now mm-hmm. much more closely over the last six or seven years than mm-hmm. I ever did before was that if you don't answer back – he fills that vacuum. Mm-hmm. And then there are many people who will come to believe what he says. And so— Rep- Repetition. Sure. Mm-hmm. Which he has said a number of times, repeat something mm-hmm. over and over again, it becomes true. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the Obama stuff, like, I'm not the least bit ashamed of what I did. I did mm-hmm. the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the other point I was making. Was after the it. hurricane. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the president wanted to come. I welcomed him. I spent the day with him. Mm-hmm. I complimented him because he was doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you do. Um, you tell the truth and you're the governor and he's helping your state recover from the worst right. natural disaster in the in the state's history. Mm-hmm. You you treat him fairly. We got one president at a time. Yeah. And um while you know, I didn't vote for Obama, it doesn't matter. He's the president. Sure, and sure. And you had a crisis. You do that stuff. Right. So right. I think not allowing him to use that stuff in a way which doesn't point out his hypocrisy on it. Mm-hmm. It's not just that he's criticizing me for doing what I should have done. Mm-hmm. It's also, are you kidding? Right, are you kidding? You know, right. like you have Hillary at your wedding. You donated $100,000 to the Clinton Foundation. Yeah. You donated to Hillary's campaigns. Like that's your choice to do. But don't criticize you me for doing, for doing my job. A lot of Democrats are excited about you because you give Trump uh, as good as you get, right, mm-hmm. from him. Um, what Have prominent Democrats reached out to you, say, attaboy? Sure. Who is that? Who yeah, is we're not going to say. Not going to say. What's not because it would general? hurt me, but it was. Yeah. It's, 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 it'll hurt what, them. What? 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 What is their general attitude? Come on, just one. Got to be Clinton. Clinton's got to. We're definitely it. not going to talk about that, Kara. <laughs> but w- the general attitude is like you're doing the right thing. Thank goodness somebody in your party's finally standing up to this guy. Right. Go get him. Right. Right. And does that happen within the Republican Party? Yes. With people who as much or more more than I get What's from the Democrats. Tone of those things. Whispering. Whispering. The Republican thing is like, you're doing a really good job. Right. Just don't make me say it publicly. I see. 
Probably, you want to say who does that? No. Okay. They're uh, scaredy cats, though. They're scaredy cats. So they won't say anything, but they say it to you and keep going. Right. Okay. So you're sort of the enforcer in a weird way. It seems to be evolving into that. Um, obviously, liberals are backing you because they hate Trump. They have a real, mm-hmm. real hatred of him. Um, and it's an enemy of my enemy kind of thing. That's like, okay. Uh, I'll take it. Um, as Mark Bodnick, the VC, pointed out on Twitter, if we want to see Trump beaten in the primaries, focusing on uh your hypocrisy of having supported him is anti-anti-Trump, if you got that. Um, and because you were a Trump supporter yep. for six years. Um, two things. One of the things that mo- many people said to me is like, he, Chris Christie, I agree with him, but it makes me uncomfortable. I feel that way, too. It's like, wait a second. I don't agree with you. I'll get to policy because I do want to talk about you. What You can't sure. just be anti-Trump. You have to be for something. I am. Which we, we can talk about in a second. But you've talked about this in a lot of interviews, being instrumental in helping Trump rise to power. Um, you gave him a lot of cover because y- you seemed more legitimate than some of the other sort of characters around him in a lot of ways. Talk about that. It's sort of a, I know you're Catholic. I'm also Catholic. I'm also from New Jersey. Um, I assume part of your face is this road to Damascus moment, right? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if I want to make it that. Yeah. But what so I would, Paul. Okay. Yeah. But, but what I would say is that, you know, by the time I endorsed him, mm-hmm. the primary race was over. Mm-hmm. And, and so my view on it was, this was after South Carolina. Right. I had seen him almost win Iowa, mm-hmm. win New Hampshire, and win South Carolina by double digits. I'm like, this is over. So now the question is, can I make him better? Mm-hmm. You know, I've known him for a while. Can I have influence on him in a way that will make him a better candidate and if he wins a better president? Um, and so that's how I made the decision to do what I did. Um, and yeah, I was that with him. That seems to be an excuse of a lot of people. I think it's true. Um, because in the end, like I said about Obama, you know, we have one president at a time. And I think that some people have overplayed the importance of my endorsement. I, I, I'm not backing away from it. I mm-hmm. did it, and mm-hmm. I'm telling you why I did it. But I oh, also don't early? think – Yeah, but I and also don't – You were much more of a critic of him than others. I was. Yeah. And, and I think that um, people looked at that at the time, and to me, it was about being practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it didn't have nearly the effect that some people claim that it did. But that's all speculation one way or the other anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make me change my decision from back then. I did what I did, right, right. and I have to stand with the decision that I made. You understand that has a flavor of jumping on the bandwagon to get power, right? Yeah, except that I never accepted a job. And then you were fired from the transition because of Jared Kushner, because of your prosecution yeah. of his father. Yes, I think that was probably 90% of it. And mm-hmm. 10% of it was that I had already started to push back mm-hmm. on some of the personnel choices he wanted to consider. Mm-hmm. And we had a big fight about it like two days after the election, I was fired the next day. So, so one of the things you've been saying a lot is that you make a very clear point that it wasn't January 6th that turned you, it was the 2020 election. And, and died. Why not before? There were so many moments that... Again, m- politics being a choice, Kara. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I was very concerned about Joe Biden's age and his competency to be able to do the job. Mm-hmm. And so, again, with two imperfect choices, I made the choice I made. But I'm talking about pre-Joe Biden. There was Charlottesville. There was all kinds of one thing after right. the next. Right. You know, I, like, I can't explain I, I to you. I don't know what you were like in those Charlottesville in that moment. Well, if you go back and you look, I tweeted yeah. out that I thought that was awful at the time. So, right. you know, I was pretty clear and direct mm-hmm. about it. So um, I didn't, you know, sit there and, and, and make excuses for things like Charlottesville that I thought were wrong. I 
tweeted out right at the time that th- this is this is unacceptable to say right. that there are good people on both sides. Right. It's just wrong and it's unacceptable. Right. But there you were at the White House then later. You, right. What was, where did the hope come from? Because it seemed pretty clear pretty early that this was a pro- this guy was a problem. We have one president at a time. One, okay. And you try to make that person and influence okay. that person if you have the ability to access him, which I did. Right. Um, you try to make him the best you can make him until there comes a point when you believe – it is completely unsalvageable, mm-hmm. and that's where I came to on election night. At the night, election night, election night. Now, you've called him a con artist. You said he's shameless, an egomaniac who's guilty of undercutting our democracy, as you said, um, not fit to be president. Um, you have a. You talk about your previous support. You want to make him better, and it didn't happen, obviously. I want to know, as a candidate, if you had that shift, at which people can change, trust me, I'm, I get the whole, it's mm-hmm. a Catholic thing. You, you're allowed to change. You're allowed to be we better. We believe in redemption. Yes, redemption. Um, Americans would ask, if you got, if you started to get some traction, why should they trust your judgment if you missed it here? This is you as a candidate. Well, because there's no perfect candidate and there's no one who has perfect judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what matters the most is do you learn and are you willing to admit your mistakes? Mm-hmm. And I think there are very few people in our business that are willing yes, to do that. Yes, you've noted this, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that's the only way to so explain it. So I was it. wrong, is the... Oh, I've said that. Yeah, I was wrong. Works, you think, with voters. I don't know if it works, but it's the truth. Right, right. So, right. I, you know, I, I'm not... I can't worry about whether the truth works or not. It is the truth. Yeah. And so I'll say it. If it works, it works. And if mm-hmm. it doesn't, then so be it. So you're also in a class of former Trumpers, from Pence, kind of, uh, to, to Barr, Bill Barr, to... Uh, John Kelly to, uh, you know, even uh, to Scaramucci, to Anthony Scaramucci, um, who who have gone really hard at President Trump, former President Trump. Um, as I said, I'm vaguely uncomfortable with all of you, although I know a lot of these people. I talk to them a lot. I try to reach out because I like to reach out to people. Um, how is it that all of you, and you've all worked directly for him in some capacity or been very close to him, still not dent the popularity you you are all the people that are working for him are telling people this. Why doesn't it work? Well, first of all, I'm not convinced that it won't work. Okay. Ultimately, mm-hmm. in the heat of a campaign, when people are really paying attention, but also I think that today's politics is a bit more tribal than it's ever been in the respect that mm-hmm. people keep their uniforms on 24 hours a day, seven right, days a right, week right. when they didn't used to. So I think that's part of the explanation, All right, But these are too. people who aren't keeping their uniforms. This is, this is Bill well, Barr, not well, exactly. No, no, I'm know, talking about why haven't we— Pal of AOC. Right? Yeah, but why haven't we dented the popularity? Yeah. Because I think that a lot of those folks keep their uniforms on 24-7. They do, because he's been pretty critical. He's been pretty crit- They've all been critical. All yeah. Them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. At different times, yeah. And but it, it, do you think it works? Talk about why you think it works. I don't know that it works, Karen. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out. Um, my son knows a lot about you. It's interesting because I would say I don't know what he is. He's going to vote for the first time this election. He's All eighteen right. years old, and he said he didn't like the name calling. Um, and he said I, I think Trump made fun of him too. Oh, Krispy Kreme Christie. So he knew he it, it got through to a yep. kid. And then he goes, he said, it's good that he's hitting back at a bully. They all got steamrolled eventually and bowed down. Easy to insult Trump when Biden's in charge. Easy to lie down and take it when he is. Seems convenient and hypocritical. So he likes you, Mm -hmm. but he's also like, don't back down later if he won. Oh, I won't. Okay. I've made my— This is a a young person engaged in politics. Which is great. And young people are very attuned to that. No question. 
What do you? How do you answer someone like him who's open, who's very open? To- yeah, I think what I say to him is like, first off, if if you ever are going to look for the perfect person to be someone you vote for, you're you're either not going to find them and then be disillusioned. Or you're going to believe you found him, and then you'll be the solutions later because nobody's perfect. But he thinks you're going to roll over if Trump won. Well, it's just – look, there's no way that I can prove to him that I won't mm-hmm. except to tell him okay. that I wouldn't be going through all this right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean there's he no – He does one, tend to go back with people he's fought with though. Ben well, that's – that would be – that would be his attempt, and I'm sure he would attempt to do that. Mm-hmm. But I will not be open to such an, mm-hmm. a, such okay. an attempt. Um, one of the things that you've talked about is that may have shifted you was knowingly gave you COVID. And you've talked about this in detail. Oh, I was uh, shifted by then, mm-hmm. you know, once I found out that he knowingly gave me yeah, COVID. Right. And right. find out till well after. Right, till well after. So um, you didn't find out until after the election. Um, and like, like a year later. Yeah. When so Mark you, Meadows put his had, book out. Yeah, if you had known. Uh, would that have been enough for you to publicly break with him? And I want you to to, to oh, talk yeah. about his COVID if, if, experience. If I if I had known in in late September, early October mm-hmm. that he knowingly gave me COVID, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been pretty easy. It'd been easy. And talk about this COVID. You were you were with him. He had COVID, and and you got very sick. How bad was it? And how close were you? I was to in the him? ICU for seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were within a day of intubating me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. fortunately, I got I. I decided to take a monoclonal antibody cocktail, which at that time was purely experimental, Mm -hmm. hadn't even been approved by the FDA yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were pretty concerned that it was going in the wrong direction, so I'd try anything. I tried it, and I really believe that that product from Eli Lilly. That helped you. I think it's what saved me. Yeah, and Trump called you and said, asked you if you were going to tell people that he gave it to you. Yes. When he, in fact, did give it to you. Correct. You thought he was kidding. I just thought he's being paranoid. Right. Because I was like, well, how do we know? I said, six of the seven of us in that room got it. So how do I know who patient zero was? I, right. I, and he goes, yeah, but are you going to say it? And I said, I wouldn't say it unless I knew it was true. So no, I'm not going to say it. Did you at that moment think um, that maybe he did give it to you and was No, doing I did not think that wow. anybody could be that calculating uh-huh. and awful to know mm-hmm. that they gave it to you. And then try to ask you whether you were going to say it or not right. when they knew you had no reason to know. No. Right. I, no, I, it did not. First of all, I was sick. Right. And so I wasn't thinking a lot about the conversation right. when it happened. Right. But to the extent that I did, I never thought that he was trying to manipulate me in any way. Right. Because, again, I couldn't have known. How are you like Trump, would you say? Do you have you, – you have brashness. You, you, are, you, you hit back pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, look – uh, I think that's a, I think that's a regional, cultural mm-hmm. type of trait for a lot of people who come from this area of the country. Mm-hmm. The tri-state area. Yes. Right. Um, but I don't think I'm very much like Donald Trump, no. How are you different? I'm intellectually curious. Mm-hmm. I'm thoughtful. I care about other people. Mm-hmm. Let's do those three things. Mm-hmm. You're sen- similar in that you're essentially New Yorkers. Well, well, New Yorker, like New Jersey, New Yorkers. Kind New of Jersey's, as you know, Carol will never admit to being New Yorkers <laughs> ever. <laughs> yes, I knew. So I, was. I will. I will storm from the studio before okay. I will admit that. Okay, all right, but you don't think you're like him? No, no. Can you tell me one thing you liked about him, and still do? I don't know about still do, but one of the things I liked about him was he he had a good sense of humor. He could laugh about himself. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, I think about it a lot. I think about Elon Musk, who I'm not speaking to now for lots of reasons that are, and I talked a lot. Very, he's he's brilliant. Yeah, I don't think Trump's brilliant, but I think right. he had a good sense of humor. Good sense of humor, meaning yeah. that he did. He does, actually. That's absolutely true. Um, and which which I think is an appeal, is a big sure, appeal to people is. who, who, yep. who it's, got, it's sort of turned like the way it has with Elon in a weird way. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in a minute. Support for On with Kara Sisher comes from Babbel. Our phones have gotten pretty good at translating speech on the fly. If you're traveling to a new country and you'd like to order a chicken sandwich with pickles, an app will probably see you through. But what if you want to chat with your server about the neighborhood or other dishes on the menu or your love of pickles? Real conversations with real people don't lend themselves to translation apps. Genuine connection requires a genuine grasp of the language, and that's something Babbel can offer. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app with lessons created by real people for real conversations. Babbel doesn't rely on artificial intelligence to build its 10-minute lessons. Instead, they're handcrafted by more than 200 language experts focused on teaching phrases and vocabulary you'll actually need to communicate. I really like it. I'm using Babbel, and I've been able to use it here in Argentina where I'm visiting my son, Louis. It's a really efficient way to learn a language. I do them very quick. It's 10 minutes. It's very user-friendly. Lots of pictures. I was never good at languages, and I'm really enjoying using the Babbel app. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash swisher. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash swisher, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash swisher. And you know how to spell that. Rules and restrictions may apply. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. I made a career out of taking to task some of the tech industry's biggest players. And honestly, some of these guys, and they're all guys, really had no clue what they were doing and they could probably have benefited from some of the resources available at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a top source for smart management thinkers. Cultivated by some of the greatest minds in business, the Harvard Business Review is a trove of rigorous insight and best practices. It's more than just a flagship magazine, too. You can find the same level of expertise on hbr.org, and for just $10 a month, a subscription unlocks unlimited access to a variety of resources like hundreds of articles, podcasts, newsletters, case studies, and so much more. I use HBR all the time to look up all kinds of cases, and not just in tech, and also listen to their podcasts, I look at their newsletters, and I really, 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 most of all, like the articles, which have a different perspective that I might have to give me ideas. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code CARA right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, to save 10% off your HBR subscription, go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code CARA. Let's talk um, about the indictments, the problem indictments. Mm-hmm. I want you to know what the most, I, we can't go into in great detail, but you're a lawyer, so it's helpful. What are the most damaging um, as a former prosecutor, can you rank them? And I know you can't judge them because you haven't seen the evidence, blah, 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 but you have right. some sense. I, I think that the most the most legally perilous one for him is the documents case mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, because of the nature of those documents. And I think a jury, when they ultimately see them, will be really, really offended mm-hmm. um, by the idea that someone would 
keep these things illegally and then show them around to people willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, the obstruction is so blatant. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, the superseding indictment on you know sending Fredo down to you know uh, Mar-a-Lago to to delete the the, the server. Um, right, right. You know, just it's so blatant that it is an acknowledgement of guilt and fault. Yeah, yeah. Because if you didn't think you did anything wrong, you wouldn't be looking to delete the the, the information off of the cameras. You'd say, right. look at whatever you want to look at. I didn't do right. anything wrong. Right. Um, and the boss wants to. It does have bo- it. It does. It, does it, it, it is very. Yeah. It's, it's I'm very, Italian. You're allowed to use Fredo. Yeah, 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 it's absolutely. And I, and I think for, for those of us who are, we know exactly w- mm-hmm. what Fredo types are. Um, right. And so I'd say that's the most dangerous one because of the conduct. Mm-hmm. The second one, I, my guess will be, will be the January 6th one. I really don't know yet. I've seen the target letter, but I don't know exactly what they're going to charge him mm-hmm. and what the the quantum of their evidence is. But I kind of suspect they have a number of cooperating witnesses in the January mm-hmm. 6th thing that will talk about his conduct that day and in the days leading up to it. And uh, on two scores, one, that there were any number of people who were telling him, mm-hmm. you lost. Like, we've looked Including at everything. You lost, Right. Um, although I don't know what kind of witness she'll be. Um, mm-hmm. But then also his conduct on the day of January 6th and his unwillingness to intervene to attempt to stop the violence right. until it was much too late um, and, and much of the damage had already been done. And what about the others? Um, I'd say the Atlanta one is going to be problematic um, because of the – the use of his own voice and the taping of and it's a phone Rico. call. It's a racketeering. Something well, and they have a very broad state mm-hmm. RICO statute, which is kind of unusual. Mm-hmm. Most states don't have a RICO statute. Mm-hmm. And that'll expose him to a lot of potential state prison time. Right. Uh, again, the only thing I hesitate on is I want to know what the quality of the evidence they have wholly is on it. But the tape alone of him saying, just find me 11,000 and some votes – um, and the fact that people had told him repeatedly that the claims of fraud in Georgia were ill-founded mm-hmm. from the governor of Georgia right on down. Right. So it's not like he had incredible people um, yeah, telling him this stuff. People so who as knew a prosecutor, it. how would you look at this case? You'd be like, I got him? Or Which one? All, any of them. Oh, and by the way, the New York one I think is silly. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it – unfortunately what Alvin, Alvin Bragg did here – demeans the other cases. And the fact that he went first. I think first, people have forgotten about that one. Yeah, unfortunately, but I think it set the tone. Mm-hmm. And people thought, oh, we'll see, this is just a, a political thing. And now Jack Smith's work is being looked at in the same light, which I think is unfortunate because I don't really think there's anything mm-hmm. political about what Jack Smith is doing. How, how effective is that calling it a witch hunt and stuff like that? It seems to be effective among his supporters. I think it's effective among his supporters. I think once you get into a courtroom, it's not effective at all. Right, which is what happened with the election lies. That's like right. Like he lost in court after court, right. and and including think, with CNN this week. Yeah, and I think that he that, that will be his problem. His problem is going to be there's going to come a moment where he's going to have to come eye to eye with the fact that he more likely than not is going to be convicted of one or more of these indictments. And if you take it to trial, especially on the federal level, there is a presumption of jail. And so, you know, he's got to come to grips with that and make a decision about so whether he wants that, to try to make a deal or not. That plea. Have, have you been questioned any of the investigations? Questioned in any of the investigations? One of them. Which one? Well, I can't say. Okay. But one of them. One of them. Mm-hmm. And what were they? what was the broad idea? They were trying to get a handle on what I knew about his 
knowledge of the reality of the election results. Okay. All right. And when was this? What was that question? Mm -hmm. Six weeks ago? Six Eight weeks, weeks ago? Okay. Somewhere in that range. Were you helpful? I was honest. Okay. All right. I hope that was helpful. Uh, all right. You do, but getting to the point, you might think you might take a plea deal in order to avoid going to prison. A lot of people have talked about this recently. I've just noticed a lot of, um, well, because it was even, real. even his supporters are like, well, even though he's be, it's a witch hunt, maybe he should take a plea deal. You never really say that. Explain how that would work universally. And can you or anyone beat Trump if he doesn't take a plea? Oh, I think he could still be leave. defeated. I think yeah. he could still be defeated in a primary if he does not take a plea. But I think that any plea, Mm -hmm. would have to include him agreeing to not run for any public office can again. Can you do that? Can sure that, can. Yeah. yeah. So how, do you think he will take it? Many people think the, he's, he, this is a big bet on his part I don't not think, to go to jail. Yeah, I don't he's got to win or he's got to have a Republican who wins who's going to pardon him, right. right? Yeah, I don't think he can deal with the idea of going to jail. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought that. Mm -hmm. um, based off a conversation I had with him, 18 years ago, mm -hmm. I was, I had just, we had just finished um, convicting and sentencing a guy named John Lynch, who for a period of time in New Jersey was the Senate president. Mm -hmm. So a very powerful guy, a Democrat. And we, he, Trump and I were having dinner sometime thereafter, just the two of us. And he said to me, so what's going to happen to John Lynch now? And I said, well, I forget what his reporting date is, but he's going to jail. He goes, no, no, no. I mean, what are they going to really do with him? I mean, he's not going to a real right. jail. Where's he right. going? I said, he's going to federal prison, Donald. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he reached over and grabbed my arm, and he said to me, I could never do that. I could never go to jail. That's mm -hmm. unbelievable. I couldn't go to jail. And and that's 18 years ago. I remember that that conversation very clearly. And I think— But he still doesn't believe he could go to jail. Well, no. What he was saying, though, was I couldn't. I couldn't. I but, physically but couldn't. But do you think he right now believes he's—, he's where he said, no, he's not really going to jail, Chris? Well, now he knows that that's what happens. And I think he fears it. Yeah, right. I think there's no doubt in my mind that more nights than not, whether he's in Bedminster or at Mar-a-Lago, he lays down in bed, the lights go out, and he's staring at the ceiling thinking, I could go to jail. I could go to jail. Okay. So let's move on to your goals in the race. Um, yep. Are you seeing victory or renewed relevance or just you need to take this guy down? I victory. mean, because a recent time, Siena poll, had, you tied with Vivek Ramaswamy, which at 2% among potential Republican primary voters. Right now, you're skipping caucuses um, in Iowa. Makes sense to me, actually. Averaging around 8% in New Hampshire and 3% in South Carolina. Map out the path to victory and how you... What, you are seeking victory. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. You come in first or second in New Hampshire and then you go from there. Okay. Because explain, those are, those explain. Are, I get the John McCain thing that everybody's referring well, no, to. But those are early but races. There was never Trump standing there in the John McCain era. No, but you know what will Trump be come February of 2024? I don't know. Right. And nor do you. So there's a lane. I don't believe in lanes. I think mm -hmm. there's one lane, mm -hmm. and Trump's at the head of that lane. Right. I mean, there's a lane the for of, you all to get by him. I don't think you get by him. You get you go through him. Mm -hmm. You said that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think there's any way to get around him or buy him or trick him or trick the voters and play bumper pool. I think this is, he's the front runner. You got to make the case against him mm -hmm. and make that case convincing to people. Um, 
in in either Iowa or New Hampshire. And mm-hmm. I think if you don't come in first and second or either Iowa or New Hampshire, unless your third place finish in one of those places is essentially tied for second, mm-hmm. I don't think you can go forward. You can't go forward. And, I don't think. And will you not go forward if that's the case? Prove that eight years ago. Like yeah. if I if if I don't feel like I'm not the kind of person who loves asking people for money anyway. Mm-hmm. And if I really felt that I had absolutely no chance to win, I couldn't do it. You couldn't not just to stay in to just poke at him the whole time to stop. Oh no, it. it's not my because that's not my goal. I recognize that there is a utility to that, but to me, the main utility of that is that's the only way to win. It's to win, okay. You say that after you win the primary, the MAGA uh, the MAGA groups will vote for you in general because they like your policies. Um, I do think perhaps you've misdiagnosed the Trump phenomena. It's emotional. They like him, not policy. If it was not emotional, they would vote for Ron DeSantis or whoever was ahead. They sort of started to like him until they met him. Explain to me why I'm wrong about that. I think it, I don't think you're completely wrong. I think it's split. Mm-hmm. I think for some people, it is an emotional connection that is absolutely untethered mm-hmm. to any issues. But for a lot of people that I talk to, they like his issues despite the fact that they are kind of repulsed by him personally. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of split, Kara. I think there are some people who... Let's say of that 37% in the Times-Siena poll, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that it's probably, you know, 20% of the people it's emotional. Mm-hmm. And the remainder, I think it's issue-based. And they have not yet really focused on the fact that he can't accomplish the stuff he's talking about right. because of his personality. Right. So you originally cultivated a centrist image, the pragmatic Republican from a blue state who who hugged Obama, pro-choice, anti-gun. Now your pitch is that you build a wall, send troops to the border, repeal Obamacare, um, which you've dinged Trump about. Um, what are you? Are you a centrist? And what what do you actually stand for now? Is this evolved? I'm, I'm right of center. I, first off, I think that... Um, when you talk about the criticisms I made of Trump, mm-hmm. <clears throat> those are not necessarily advocacies for those policies. Mm-hmm. Those are critiques of his failure mm-hmm. to do what he said. When you're running against an incumbent, which is essentially what I'm doing in the Republican primary, mm-hmm. then you have to be able to make the case as to why the incumbent was not effective the first time he had the job. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't say, you know, um, let's repeal and replace Obamacare. I said it at the time. Mm-hmm. He got nominated. And he didn't do it with a Republican majority in the House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Right. Um, you know, he said he was going to build a big, beautiful wall mm-hmm. across the entire border and Mexico was going to pay for it. Well, he built 52 miles a new wall and Mexico hasn't given us the first mm-hmm. peso, nor will they ever. Is that your policy that to, to, to repeal, repeal Obamacare? That seems like a, that train is left. Look, I think we need to do health troops ca- to the border. Uh, hold on. Okay. I, I think we need to make the healthcare system better and reform it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to figure out what you can do with Congress and whether that's something that's even possible to do. Mm-hmm. Second, on send troops to the border, I absolutely believe we should send National Guard to the border with the specific job of interdicting fentanyl, mm-hmm. not about immigration per se, mm-hmm. but about the idea that this is an act of war by both these drug cartels and by China against mm-hmm. us. 110,000 people died of overdose last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to get a handle so it's on focused this. focused not on immigration, but fentanyl. That's, that's exactly Felt what I'm saying. Not. What about the wall? Really At this point, you've started to build it. You might as well finish it. That's my feeling. Really? Yeah. Maybe just say this is a stupid idea. You know, I wouldn't say, given what's happened in the aftermath, that it necessarily is a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. The stupid part of it was thinking Mexico was going to pay mm-hmm. for it. But given that we've already started to build it, I think we should finish it. Because he couldn't. 
Not because he couldn't. He didn't. But because the immigration problem has been unabated, as has the drug cartel problem. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that a wall could help that, we should have every assistance we have to try to help that. And that's why I would send National Guard down there as well on the fentanyl issue. What do you think your biggest policy issue that you would push the most is at this point? Changing the educational system in K-12 in the country. Um, when you see the NAEP scores that just came out a mm -hmm. couple of weeks ago and now, I, I think they constitute a trend. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that we're not doing what we need to do in K-12 education in the country. And I think we need to give more choice to people in terms of how they want to see their children educated. And so I think that that should be a national priority. So let's talk about the other presidential candidates who say Trump does take a plea. You'll be against. Let's do a lightning round. Mm -hmm. I'll name a candidate. I want you to pick three words to describe each one. Okay. okay? Ron DeSantis. Um, uh, overrated. Um, impersonal. And confusing. Okay. Nikki Haley. Kind. Smart. And unsure of where she stands. Okay. And that's more words. But. Yeah, I got it. Mike Pence? Mike Pence, I'd say, again, good man. Um, but I would say refused to stand up to Trump at times when I know he disagreed with him, but deserves credit for January 6th. Okay. Vic Ramaswamy? I, I just have no idea. What the fuck is fine for that yeah, guy? I have no idea. <laughs> No idea at all. Oh, jeez Louise. Um, uh, your friend at 2%. F uh, Francis Suarez. Again, not the first idea. I don't know him, mm -hmm. and I'm not curious. He's really fit. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> he, he runs a lot. I can't, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't. I can't he, be, he also is very nice. He will not insult you for your weight. It would, be, it would be hypocritical of me yeah. to, to yeah. be critical of that. Right, right. Very fit. Uh, um, Trump, then. I mean, three words for Trump? Yeah. Um, New ones. <laughs> I think I've used so many of them already. There's Cara. a lot of words. Um, look, uh, self-centered, um, uncaring, and dangerous. Uh, Tim Scott? Good man. Very talented politically. Not entirely sure he's ready to be president. Tim Scott has criticized DeSantis for Florida's new middle school curriculum, which will force middle school teachers to teach kids that enslaved people learn skills that, quote, could be applied for their personal benefit. Where do you stand? I can't believe I'm it's asking stupid. Yeah. It's just stupid. Mm -hmm. And like what, what DeSantis should have done in my view is just say, look, I didn't write it and it's wrong mm -hmm. and I want them to take it out. Mm -hmm. And that's what he should have done. I don't know why. This is he's a hill doubling, he's picking he's the die on. Down. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. And I and I think that, quite frankly, on some of the, some issues like like this, you know, I trust Tim Scott a hell of a lot more to tell me what is offensive and what isn't, and and what is just dead wrong mm -hmm. and isn't, than I would Ron DeSantis. Now you did criticize Tim Scott for not saying Donald Trump was responsible for January sixth or partially responsible. I think he's morally responsible. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know how Tim comes to any other conclusion. He invited all those people to come to Washington and said mm -hmm. it was going to be wild. Mm -hmm. Then when he got him there, he jacked him up by once again repeating mm -hmm. the lie that the election was stolen and telling them that it was all up to Mike Pence now, mm -hmm. which was wrong 
and a lie. Then he told them to march up to Capitol Hill and said he was going to go with them. Now, I knew that if Donald Trump had the risk of breaking a fingernail, he wasn't going. So he got back to the safety of the White House, but he goosed them up enough to go up there mm-hmm. and then watched what they were doing oh, and did nothing about it. So I don't know if you and, – and none of those facts are disputed. Right. Right? So I don't know how you look at that set of facts. And Tim's a smart guy. And you can't come to the conclusion. I'm not talking about criminally responsible. Mm-hmm. I'll wait to see the indictment and see what it says. Mm-hmm. But you're morally responsible. So for that. why won't these other candidates be? Is, is it just because they don't want to lose the Trump base? I think it's a, it's a mix. I think they're afraid of him, and they're afraid of being on the receiving end of his wrath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that fear is both physical and political. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they believe that physical the, meaning death threats, that kind of thing. Yeah, you've yeah. gotten those o- over time. Yes, mm-hmm. but I, but like in the end, Kara, it's like. I think that some of them are unwilling to do it because they don't think it's politically smart. Mm-hmm. Some of them are auditioning for a potential Trump administration. Mm-hmm. And I think some of them just aren't able to do it. Like they just physically aren't equipped right. to be able to, Take to him on. be in that combat. So does, what does that say about the candidates who are too cowardly and unwilling to call out Trump? Is that disqualifying in general? I believe so. Okay. Um, You know, Nixon had a Southern strategy. Reagan launched his 1980 campaign with the state's rights speech. It's a few miles from where freedom riders were killed. George Bush had the Willie Horton ad. Now your party is banning books and teaching both sides of slavery or people in your party, not everybody, obviously. Um, How do you look at something like this, banning books? This is affecting a lot of people who were Republicans are like, what? Like, I can't believe this. Look, And the slavery thing seems just... Well, I've already talked about that. Um, You know, I think that these are really small and silly issues for people to be basing a campaign for president on Mm -hmm. when we have some of the bigger issues that we've already talked Mm -hmm. about today. And. And we, we, you know, we haven't even talked about, you know, we have to deal with entitlements and, mm-hmm. you know, we have to deal with the debt and social security. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, about entitlements, right. There's a, there's a lot of big issues we should be talking about and, and this stuff. Um, and I think even the polling shows this, mm-hmm. that people don't care about it that much. They really don't. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not a top issue to them, but I think, you know, the people who are using it are using it to try to gin people up and get them even angrier because they think that'll be in their personal political interest. You need them to drop the slavery thing and the, and drop the book banning. Oh well, the, the slavery trans thing should never the thing the slavery thing should never been in there. And look on 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 the trans stuff. You know, I've said all along to me, these are issues that parents should be dealing with, mm-hmm. not government. Like because once a person's an adult, they make their own decisions once they're above eighteen. Younger than 18, I don't think that when I was governor, I was in a better position to make judgments mm-hmm. about whether a child should get a certain type of treatment mm-hmm. than a parent would be. Mm-hmm. I think parents should be making those judgments, and I think it's wrong. I'm not a big government Republican, and some of these folks who are now doing this to me seem to me like big government Republicans. Like, yeah, they do. You know, and, and so I think I am – I wouldn't want anybody coming into my house – and telling me how I should interact with my children. Now, if I'm beating them, if I'm starving them, that's a different thing. But if we're talking about my child has an issue and I'm taking them to doctors and the doctors and the parents and the child agree on a course of action, I don't think the government has 
the right to be intervening in the middle of that. Let's talk very quickly about Biden. You say he's incompetent, he's gotten, but he's gotten four major pieces of legislation passed, the American Rescue Plan, the Infrastructure Bill, which you supported, the Inflation Reduction Act, and the CHIPS Act. He outmaneuvered the Freedom Caucus during the debt ceiling negotiations. He rallied support for Ukraine. The economy is, there's, the recession seems to be um, not happening, and, and Barbie is a hit. So, um, well, the Barbie thing is particularly his, his yeah, doing, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, and, I, and I'll go through the list of things where I think, you know, he has not done well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things are 17% more expensive today than they were the day he came into office. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was his creation through the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay. I, think it's a, I think it's a complete misnomer, as, as was the American Rescue Plan, because America didn't need to be rescued at that point. It had already been rescued from COVID. Um, I do support the infrastructure plan. I give him credit for that. Um, but I also watch him every day. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe he's up to the job anymore. Mm-hmm. Though Trump is only three years younger. I don't think he's up to the job either. Right. And I think so that's age. why 70% of the American, absolutely. Uh, age and how age has affected you. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think 70% of the American people don't want it to be Trump versus Biden. Mm-hmm. Because they look at the two of them and say, for different, very different reasons, um, that they're not up to the job anymore. I think they're past their sell-by date. And I think Biden shows every day, mm-hmm. for anybody who wants to be objective, that this is not the Joe Biden that we've gotten to know over the last incredibly 50 years in government and and that he's not up to it. And if he's not up to it today at 80, um, the idea of him still doing this at 86 mm-hmm. is just beyond me. I don't think he's competent to do the job now. I think this is mostly a staff-driven administration. Um, and I don't think that he can grab the reins if necessary to get things done because I just don't think okay. he's physically or mentally up Three to it. Three words for him. Three words for Joe by now. Yeah, and I want one of them to be good. But I have no problem with that. Um, I think he's too old. I think he went too far left. But I think he's a very kind person, and I've known him for forty years. Mm-hmm. We went. We both went to the University of Delaware, oh. and I got to know him when I was a college student. When he used to wander around mm-hmm. the football tailgates. Mm-hmm. And then we developed a relationship after that. You like him. I do. On a personal level, I really do. Right. I don't think there's a lot for me on a personal level not to like about Joe Biden. I think he's a kind person. And I was at something else earlier today where I said, you know, I will never diminish my respect for him on a personal level after having lost two children. Mm-hmm. And I have four I can't imagine losing one. And the fact that he's continued to be able to be a contributing, really seriously contributing um, leader in this country with all the personal pain and anguish that he's gone through in his life, Mm -hmm. um, I think is extraordinarily admirable and shows a strength of, um, of character. On his part. Okay. That's a good ad for him. Last question. You <laughs> said you weren't going to vote for Trump. You said you're not going to vote for Trump, but you haven't. You said you probably sit this one out. If the choice so is So what Trump, are you going to do? Go to Barbenheimer? What are you going to do here? No, there's a, there are, there'll be other races underneath that on the okay. ticket. Okay. So you don't think it's wrong to abrogate sitting it out? That You, you know, I, again, I, 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 I mentioned my 18-year-old. He has to vote. I'm, that's one of my little rules of Right. And I will him. vote. I just won't vote for president if that's the case. I wrote my grandmother in once. <laughs> well... I don't know that I'll do that. I don't, have any, I don't have any living grandmothers either, so yeah. I think that would be a problem. But look, at the end of it, I'm working hard to make sure that's not the choice. 
and I'll get to go in there and vote for myself. Okay. And then you can vote for Biden. I, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. Oh, you! I think you. I, I, but I you supported me, Reagan you me, the first time. But didn't you say yeah. to me? Did you say at the beginning they gave me five dollars, but you don't want me to win? Well, I don't like some of your policies. I understand, but yeah. so all I'm doing is just following what you said. I don't think you'd be terrible. How's that? How's that? Well, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I'm. But I'm, my tr- my son is intrigued. But I'm, I'm just, willing to bet you this. Yeah. I'll, I'll, in fact, I'll tell you two things. If I win. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do your podcast. Okay. And then we can have another conversation. Okay. And secondly, I'm going to be willing to bet yeah. that at the time I'm done, you're not going to think I was terrible. Oh, all right. We'll do that. Thank you so much. Thanks I really appreciate Thanks for having me, Tara. It. I appreciate it. And tell your son thanks for being interested. <laughs> it's on. You wrote your grandmother in. Why are you pushing back if he abstains, Kara? <laughs> Because I'm not running for president. I would mm. vote if I was running for president. I'd make a stand if I, and that would, it would say a lot about you. You have to, if you're running for president, you got to vote. Yeah. Alex, your son's question was really about whether people can trust Christie to stand against Trump. Right. Moving forward. Yeah, he, doesn't, he said he happens. bent and he wants, yeah, right? He, he, wants, he doesn't yeah. want it again. He, he, if he means what he says, he can't go back to being to Trump's me, friend. Politically, that would be impossible for him. Could you see a way for him? He has so laid his body on the line on this issue. Yes, because Steve Bannon and Trump are fighting. He has lots of examples of people who he's fought with that he's come back I think with a, a, a lot. No actually. one has said as much as this, as, as Chris Christie Oh, has I don't know. A couple of them have. But even Bill Barr has crossed lines. You know, this guy's a criminal is essentially what Bill Barr's been saying. But I mean, no, no one has used the language and had no. the certainty right. and the kind of campaigning that Christie no, but I has actually think Trump probably door. likes that a little. He they probably enjoy that. it. He respects it because they're talking about him, right? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't mind, well, a, you know, a, a fight. He that, likes a fight and a really down and dirty fight. He's probably more angry at Bill Barr than he is at Chris Christie. Would be my guess. Mm. Well, I'm, or he at least respects or would want Chris Christie in his pocket in the future, yeah. which I don't think Chris Christie is going to fit back in that pocket and no. go back in that pocket. But um, that brings me to something that I found in the beginning of the interview uh, was frustrating, which was the focus on Trump, because that's where Chris Christie shines. That's where mm-hmm. he gets a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. But I'm really interested in knowing more about who Chris Christie is, mm-hmm. what he stands for. Right. And I think we got to that. Yeah through the bluster. Yeah, some of it was bluster, but I think he believes the things he's saying. I think okay. I think people are interested in his why he wants to do this mm-hmm. to Trump, and it's really important to talk about it. Interestingly, at the end, though, he kind of did an ad for Joe Biden. He's yeah, like, he did. That's why Joe Biden's good. Was it an ad, or it was almost like um, a... A farewell speech, I would say. I guess. I don't want to say eulogy, yeah, but— right. But I think he—and he, what he wants is politics to go back to the way it was, where you can just disagree. And I think a lot of people want that. It's just that ship has sailed because of Trump. It's not just the ship has sailed because of Trump. It's also sailed because of the nature of the media consumption of politics, that what Trump and Christie are doing works. Mm-hmm. What Biden is doing, despite working on the levels, if you look at the economy, if you look at the Infrastructure Act, you look at various things mm-hmm. that have passed, bipartisan support— it's not the stuff that gets clicks. It's not the stuff people yes, pay attention to. Yes, but it's the to. stuff that passes laws. That's what matters. Of course, but Christie knows the, how to play the game. Yeah. When we got to know more about Christie and know more about his policies, I was actually surprised that he took on the doctor-child parents. He was effectively mm-hmm. he was speaking about trans issues mm-hmm. and saying the government shouldn't have a right one way or another to legislate yeah. what's possible. I think what he is very effective at doing is getting the headline and then correcting himself in the nuance. Yeah. So— Build the wall because we started it anyways. Yeah. Send the National Guard to the border, but only on the issue of fentanyl. Oh, it's like it's— We it, used to be able to talk like that. Yeah, yes. that's okay. That's I don't care It works. That. No, I'm not saying it's yeah. a bad thing. I'm just saying yeah. it works for the moment in the mm-hmm. sense that you get 
the base can be satisfied. Satisfied. And they're not going to read further. Exactly. It seems mm-hmm. like a strategy. Yeah, it's good. I think most of those stances are reasonable. Mm. But, you know, even if you disagree, they're like, okay, I see your point. Yeah. You know, and so that's where he's good. He's good. He was like that as go- until the Bridgegate thing. He was like that. And he was, you know, he was a bully as governor for sure. I was uh, in New Jersey at the time, in and out of New Jersey at the time. And he um, he definitely was a bully, but he, he was seen as a more reasonable. I don't know if building the wall is reasonable. That might just be No, no, not that. No, but, but, but what it's I not, agreed. You wouldn't go, oh, here, okay. Here's what I agreed with him on is the dissension of our national conversation into a select few issues that impact a minority of Americans right. versus speaking about the big picture the issues. The tyranny of the, the minority is yes. what we're in right now. And that is, I think, the interesting part of what yeah. you brought up. Yep, I agree. I think he's a really, he's a uh, he's an appealing character for sure. And I think there's a lot more appeal to him. I know uh, a couple of my Trump relatives are interested in him. They are. They're definitely not interested in Ron DeSantis anymore. I'll tell you that. Interested romantically? No, I'm no. <laughs> no, uh, no. Um, they're interested in him. Mm-hmm. They kind of like the same him. plain speaking that they liked from Trump. And yeah. I do think, th- and, and not crazy. Yeah. And that I think they all think Trump's crazy at this point. That was a good word when he was describing the lightning route of candidates. And mm-hmm. and I think it was on Suarez where he said, oh, I'm not really curious yeah. about him. Curiosity is actually a good word for candidates because yeah. curiosity drives yeah. attention. That's what we're seeing in, in yeah, I did like Iowa these Ramaswamy days. The what, essentially, what the fuck? If you were in New Jersey, <laughs> whoa, whoa. What the fuck? Well, what the fuck? Yeah. His buddy at 2%, but whatever. going to say, what did you learn about Chris Christie that you didn't know? Very likable. Very, he can mm. very charming. Yeah. As I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking about like why DeSantis is. Yeah. I've always thought DeSantis was charmless. This guy has a lot of charm. Yeah, and I, he's funny. I thought the whisper moment. The whisper moment. The whisper was good. moment yeah. was a good moment. You know, I, any any guesses on the Republicans who are calling him? Oh, all of them. Do you feel like your five dollars was well spent? I think it was. I feel good about my five dollars. I'm not going to give him another five dollars, but I feel good about my five dollars. Excellent. Let's read the credits. Today's show was produced by Naeem Araza, Christian Castro-Rossell, Megan Cunane, and Megan Burney. Special thanks to Cody Nelson, Andrea Lopez-Cruzado, and Kate Gallagher. Our engineers are Fernando Aruda and Rick Kwan. Our theme music is by Trackademics. If you're already following the show, you get a Krispy Kreme Christy Donut. If not, go back to the Beach Can or go wherever you listen to podcasts, search for On with Kara Swisher, and hit follow. Thanks for listening to On with Kara Swisher from New York Magazine, the Vox Media Podcast Network, and us. We'll be back on Monday with more. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.